0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support, You can go to school when and where it works for you. Low online tuition means you can even do it for less. And dedicated student support means we'll be with you from day one to graduation and beyond. Join a community of learners just like you. Go to snhu.edu today to start your free application.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive?
0: been such a, a cornerstone of, of what we've done for a long time. He's he's probably impacted my career more significantly than any other player. And it doesn't change anything for us. I mean, we understand what our plan is moving forward.
1: The goal of our era. Help me help you. Come home, Leo. Come home. And it is about the people that make the thing go. It's about it's about character. It's about culture. It's about doing things the right way, but the people that's the most important thing, the people make an organization.
0: He's such an important part to our football team, such an important part to our organization. And, you know, we're just going to continue to try to work through this and hopefully can get him back in the building at some point. I
2: know. a strange few days the nfl never sleeps it never sits down it never blinks its eyes peter this is memorial day week this is when the water is supposed to recede a little bit yes everyone has their otas but the drama should at least be subsiding a little bit but it isn't thanks to julio jones Aaron Rodgers and others Peter King is back after a couple of Fridays away we missed you Peter we're on Peacock TV Sirius XM 211, Sky Sports NFL or Sky Sports action is what they call it when NFL season is not happening podcast wherever you get your podcast the show is PFT live Peter good morning and welcome back
0: good morning Mike great to be back great to be out on the West Coast with my family but Matt Casey is such a nice boss that uh, he didn't make me get up at 4 o'clock in the morning to do two hours of television um, out in the Bay Area and out in Seattle. So you got to love Matt Casey. I
2: I also saw the photo of you teaching your grandson (laughs) Freddie to throw. And and it may be too early to make this projection, but I think Freddie is on his way to having Grandpa's fro In his early 20s, because it looks like he's already sprouting it, Peter.
0: He's got some hair. He's got the best hair in the family. And that photo that I put in my column the other day, photo of Freddie hair wild and free, had just been cut in half. He (laughs) had double that hair. And there I am. (laughs) I mean, look at me. How beautiful is that? Can you believe <laughs> that Ian King fell in love with me? I believe <laughs> that. Uh, that is a great scene.
2: You, you, you kind of look like the guy with the rainbow wig that used to show up with the John 3:16 signs at the games. Remember that dude? <laughs> I uh, remember him well. Yeah. Uh, used to yeah, see but football but, games all the time. What what a good looking boy. He's five and a half now. Five and a half. Four and a half. Four, Four and, and half. a half. Four and a half. Yeah. See, I'm getting my I'm getting my age of young children botched repeatedly because this past year has been so elongated. I've lost all track of time. Yeah. So in my mind, since the last year's felt like two, he's five and a half.
0: But in some ways, the last year felt like it went by in the blink of an eye too, because you just you didn't see people. So then, when you see him again, it feels so much like normal. You know that was what was interesting about spending a long period of time out west and seeing both of my daughters and their families. That you know, hey, we were just here, weren't we? No, actually, it's been a long time. But anyway, no, we had a great time.
2: Well, it's great that you got to do it, and uh, we 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 have had plenty of things to discuss, even after fodder. the draft, even after for the fodder all, no fodder all, plenty of fodder, and let's get to the non-falder-all fodder that we have going on this week. The Julio Jones situation, it's, its I believe, going to culminate in something next Wednesday. That's when the cap charge for trading Julio Jones would plummet to a point where it's manageable for the Falcons to do it. You wrote back the Monday before the draft that that's the direction where this is heading. Peter, I'm having a hard time identifying who's interested in him. Sims has said all week that he's interested in the Titans and the Patriots there was a report yesterday from Diana Rossini of ESPN, which was then broadcast by the Falcons' website that the Falcons have an offer of a first-round pick on the table for Julio Jones. My reaction to that is, if they have it, why the hell haven't they accepted it yet? And I'd love to know how much of his salary they have to pay to get a first-round pick. He's due to make $15.3 million, fully guaranteed. But what's your current thought on where this all stands and where this is all heading?
0: Well... I, don't, uh, I would be surprised if they had a first-round pick uh, on the table for Julio Jones uh, because you, what you just said is right. That trade would be done right now if they had a first-round pick uh, on the table for Julio Jones. I doubt they're going to get a first-round pick. Now, they might. And they also might get a two that could become a one with performance-related bonuses or... Uh, you know, a two that could become a one in an easier fashion, you know, with less, uh, you know, with less, you know, sort of performance related bonuses. But it wouldn't be for a couple of years. Um, I think they're probably going to end up getting a two next year. Uh, and I, I think, I just think that, and look, I was with, uh, you know, the brain trust of the Falcons on draft night. Okay, so I I got the impression from Terry Fontenot and from Arthur Smith, the general manager and coach, that they were going to be solid, that they needed a solid two to get this thing done. And obviously they wanted a one, and who knows? Maybe someone will pay them a one. But at the end of the day, I think it's more likely it's going to be a two without any financial tentacles in other words obviously if you're a team out there and you're trading for a guy who's owed 38 million over the next three seasons if you're trading for that guy you want and he only played nine games last year he doesn't practice much anymore if that is what you want you know you're not going to pay any of his salary going forward and the Falcons I believe, don't want to pay any of his salary or any of his his bonus money going forward more than they already have to pay contractually.
2: The odds have moved dramatically this week. PointsBet now has New England as the favorite at plus 150, Tennessee plus 200. They weren't even in the top three. I believe, earlier this week, but it seems to be coalescing around those two teams. There was a report last weekend that the Patriots have had internal discussions about Julio Jones, and I I usually react to those reports by saying, well, they're not going to move then because if they really wanted him, we wouldn't know about it. Isn't that how it goes with the Patriots? We had no idea they were having internal discussions about Cam Newton until they signed Cam Newton. So maybe those internal discussions led to the conclusion that this doesn't fit where we currently are, and we've upgraded our weapons sufficiently that we don't want or need to make this investment. And, oh, by the way, we were just burned a couple of years ago by sending a second-round pick to the Falcons for a receiver. Not that Mohamed Sanu is in the class of Julio Jones. And I really do think, Peter, that second-rounder the Falcons got for Mohamed Sanu is an impediment here because they want at least a 2 Because they got it to for a lesser player at the same position.
0: Well, my first reaction when I heard that Patriots report that they have had internal discussions about Julio Jones, my reaction is, well, all 31 teams in the league would be horribly irresponsible. Any of the 30 other teams in the league would be irresponsible if they hadn't had internal discussions who uh, sees that a Hall of Fame wide receiver with some goodness left in his career who would look at that and say now we have no interest even in discussing it I mean that's it's preposterous um so I, I believe most teams have at least discussed it and look I think that at the end of the day, you know New England makes an awful lot of sense Mike it makes a lot of sense because Bill Belichick has shown time and again that he's not afraid of you, know, you go back to Randy Moss in 07 you know where everybody was staying away from Randy Moss and he said I'll take Randy Moss and so to me I think the Patriots really make the most sense I have no idea if they're going to be the team or not I don't know who the team is going to be but Mike you said something early in the in this segment that you think there's a good chance that it happens by Wednesday, I don't know what day it's going to happen, but this trade's going to happen. You know, Julio Jones is not going to be on the Atlanta Falcons. This trade is going to get done. And in my opinion, it's the best thing for everybody. It's the best thing for Julio Jones, who wants to find a new home. It's the best thing for the Atlanta Falcons, who need cap relief over the coming years. And this won't be the only move they're going to make. And I also think it's going to be a good thing for whoever gets him because we, all, we see it. We saw him when he played last year. He is still a magnificent player. So to me, I think it's going to get done and it's going to make sense
2: for the trading team and for the acquiring team. Yeah, you mentioned Randy Moss. The league thought he was washed up after his second season with the Raiders. The Patriots basically stole him for a fourth-round pick. And he ended First up having course, yeah. one of the all-time great receiving seasons in 2007 at the age of 30. You mentioned that Julio Jones wants out. We hadn't heard from him until Shannon Sharp committed state and federal wiretapping violations earlier this week by putting him <laughs> on the air without telling him he was on the air. And he said, I'm out of there. And the Falcons were livid about that. That's one of the reasons why I don't think the Falcons are sitting on a one. Why be upset about your trade leverage being affected by Julio Jones' wishes being broadcast to the world if you're already sitting on an acceptable offer and you're just waiting for something better. If you got a first-round pick in pocket, who cares what Julio Jones says? You know this is a done deal, and if someone else comes along, that's your leverage. What Julio's comments did, in my opinion, Peter, they took away the ability of the Falcons to have an effective negotiation with one team. Because if you're negotiating with one team and that team isn't giving you what you want, you can't say credibly, we'll just keep him because the response is going to be, okay, fine, go ahead and keep the guy who said I'm out of there. So that changed the dynamic. And it also unlocked reporting on the reality that this has been percolating for a while. And unlike these quarterback situations where those players want out, we didn't know about this one.
0: And Mike, I mean, I I also think it just shows the reality of trades in 2021, you know, you have teams out there, I'm sure, that are asking uh, Fontenot and Smith, say, listen, we'd love to give you a two for Julio Jones, but we need money at the following level to make this happen. And the Falcons, in that case, I'm pretty sure would rather just say, hey, listen, you know, we're not giving him away and then paying part of the contract. And I think there have been other contracts that teams basically have taken a bite out of you know in order to make it palatable for the acquiring team and in this particular case I think the Falcons are basically saying absolutely no way we're going to do that so I think that's part of this I think the other part is quite honestly just this simple fact that the Atlanta Falcons love Julio Jones the owner loves Julio Jones And and so this is one of those deals that even though obviously now he wants out and it's now it's clear, you know, it's on the table that this isn't just the Falcons doing this for cap relief. They'd probably like to do it, too, because they don't want a guy in the first year of a new regime who doesn't want to be there. So I, I really think that it's going to go in the next week or so. It's going to get done. But I I just think there are some modern parts of this trade, some modern tentacles that still have to play out a little bit.
2: Yeah, because, again, back to the original item, the report from Thursday from ESPN that the Falcons have a first-round pick. If that's true, my guess would be whoever's offering that first-round pick. Number one, expects to be pretty low in the round in 2022. And number two, quite possibly, if not likely, is expecting the Falcons to pick up a sizable chunk of the $15.3 million. Remember, when the Panthers unloaded Teddy Bridgewater onto the Broncos for a sixth-round pick, they're still paying 7 of $10 million guaranteed to Bridgewater this year, $7 million being paid by the Panthers to make that trade happen. So we'll see where he goes, what they get, and I think a very important factor as well, how much they pay. The Packers have paid Aaron Rodgers a lot. Aaron Rodgers still isn't happy. Aaron Rodgers is happy to be in Hawaii, but he's not happy with the Packers. Peter, it was Monday night where Aaron Rodgers spoke to Kenny Mayne and finally launched into this monologue over it's all about the people, whatever. I think most people look at that and say, that's really not what's going on here. This isn't Aaron's concern about about the people. It's about the person. It's about how he's been treated. And look, I talked to some folks yesterday about this the the ice is still in place no thaw rogers doesn't want to come back packers aren't going to budge i don't know where this is going to go
0: i don't either but when watching that the other day you know in the passive aggressive rogers uh basically uh, saying i love everybody in green bay except brian gutekunst and maybe mark murphy You know, that's what it sounded like to me. Um, Look, the thing we still don't know, Mike, we know that Aaron Rodgers wants out in in a bad way. We know that. You know what we don't know? We don't know what's going to happen if on August 15th, Aaron Rodgers hasn't been traded. You know, what's he going to do? Is he going to continue to take $50,000 a day fine for missing training camp? I mean... If he doesn't go to training camp, that's $2 million that cannot be erased. And so you start looking at things like that, and you, you start to say, okay, is this an absolutely rock solid, I am not going back? If it's that, it's going to cost him a lot of money. And I, apparently, and I've never thought Aaron Rodgers was a, I need every last dollar. I, I, I've never thought of him in that way at all. But to me, I've thought that there's either that part of it or what happens between now and July 15th, let's just say. If Jeopardy says, Aaron, we want you to be the the host for our next season, for our 21-22 season, but we want you here exclusively. I mean, the condition of the job is you got to be here. I won't be shocked if Aaron Rodgers takes a year off from football. Now, and then we'll see what happens in the future. But the way I look at this right now, Mike, I I agree with you. I have no idea what's going to happen. I bet the Packers don't either.
2: Well, and you mentioned August 15 with the implication that he's held out and incurred that $50,000 per day fine, which by rule now under the CBA for anyone in the second contract or beyond cannot be waived, cannot be wiped off the books like we've seen in the past where the team doesn't publicize. But like when Heinz Ward held out and racked up a bunch of fines, he went back and the Steelers are like, we're just not going to we're not going to collect that. You can't do that now for anyone not operating under his rookie contract. So like you said, two million is gone. I think he would announce his retirement in lieu of holding out if it comes down to it. Now, if he retires and sits out all year, he's looking at eleven and a half million in signing bonus money that gets paid back he's got six point eight million in a roster bonus he's already earned that would get paid back he's got fourteen point seven million in salary that he'll never earn and it's one less year that he has left before father time finally catches him and prevents him from playing at a high level do you want to squander a year of football or will you just say I am reluctantly coming back because I love my teammates I love my coaches I love the fans and I hate everybody else. I'm coming back for them. Because I feel like that's what he's setting up, Peter. He doesn't want to be the pariah like yeah. Favre was when he left. He wants the fans on his side. So he's on record. I love the fans. I love my teammates. I love my coaches. I think it's harder for him to to give them the middle finger by giving the middle finger to the front office. Because they get caught in the middle of it. And they're the ones who are harmed by the reigning MVP not being there. So I'm, I'm still leaning on the side of he finds a way to show up and blame the media for making it a big deal.
0: I don't know. I mean, Mike, I, I've looked at this this way all along, that, you know, today is whatever it is, uh, May 28th. And, you know, there's a lot of difference between May 28th and July 28th. Two months is a long time. And there are times for feelings to harden, and there are times for feelings to soften. And in my opinion, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to get friendly with the front office of the Green Bay Packers. But you then have to ask yourself, if you're Aaron Rodgers, what's my best option? Is my best option to say, I'm retiring? Is my best option to say, I'm a holdout, I'm simply not playing? What is my best option? And then you have to make a decision, I think, by late July. I don't think he really has to do anything for the next two months. It's pretty clear that he won't go to the mandatory minicamp. He'll just take the fine for that. But two months from now is when everyone really has to know. And, you know, the NFL teams will be going to camp. I believe the Packers' reporting date is going to be july 27th so that's exactly two months away so i think there are two months for all reporters in the state of wisconsin to not be able to take vacation because you (laughs) never can tell what's going to happen because i mean really we have absolutely no idea what the next step
2: in this drama is going to be and and one very real factor here and i like to stay away from these things generally but it is a factor. The new relationship, you have a new individual in your life who has influence over you. That's the way the world works. That's what broke up the Beatles for crying out loud. And and I know that there's at least some thought in Green Bay that how is he being influenced and what is he being told and how is he being, I don't want to say manipulated, but it's just the reality when you have a new partner in your life and you're engaged, It, it. That that, that voice resonates, and I think the Packers are leery about that unknown as well. And I I just think that the Packers don't know what the hell's going to happen. They aren't going to trade him. Now, of course, we've heard that before, and I've said pay no attention to the man behind the curtain because a lot of times that's said for leverage. But look, Peter, they don't need to create leverage here. They're never going to get more for Aaron Rodgers ever than they're going to get right now. I, unless he right. comes back and has another MVP season and wins the Super Bowl, they're never getting more for him. I mean, he'll still be a year older. This is the pinnacle. This is the time if you're going to do it. And they're just not going to do it. They want to keep him, period. So uh, it, it's going to it's going to be, like you said, it's it's something where the folks who cover the team are not going to be able to, to take a week off, much less a day off, because you never know when we're going to get the next development from Aaron Rodgers.
0: And, and I think part of that means, Mike, that in the next six to eight weeks that there's going to be much hue and cry about probably about very little because I think this is going to go right up to the deadline um, and maybe even beyond the deadline, uh, maybe even into August. But I just don't see anything happening in the next you know seven or eight weeks because I just think, and you're right about the impact of Shailene Woodley on his life. I mean, nobody has any idea what that is. Anybody who says they do, I'm sure, unless they're close to the family, you know, is just rumor mongering. So I have no idea what that's going to be. You have no idea what it's going to be. And I think there are some times, you know, Mike, you have maintained throughout all this, Aaron Rodgers needs to come clean. and He needs to say exactly what he's mad at and what he's angry about and all this stuff. And we now are pretty sure that he's never going to do that. That that's not how he does business. Whether you like it or whether you don't like it, you're not going to hear from Aaron Rodgers, my big problem is with Brian Gutekunst and here's why. You know, and and so we're not that's not who he's going to be and you have to decide are you willing to accept everything the the entire Aaron Rodgers package, the passive aggressive Aaron Ro- part of Aaron Rodgers, the greatness on the field, you know, the fact that uh, you know he's got a ton of other interests in life, and he very well may exercise them. So that is the modern Aaron Rodgers. That's the modern NFL quarterback, and we just have to see where it goes.
2: Here's one scenario that I believe the Packers have on their radar screen for what could happen. We could see a scenario where Aaron Rodgers decides to not play this year, retires for this year, pays back a lot of money, misses out on his $14.7 million salary, and then next year, after the Packers have moved on, after the Packers have another quarterback, after the Packers have turned the page, then he pulls the Brett Favre, show up out of nowhere, deal with me, deal with my cap charge, deal with my salary obligation, and hope that at that point they'll have no choice but to trade him, just like they had no choice but to trade Favre after they had turned the page to Aaron Rodgers. So that's something to keep an eye on. No football for Rodgers in 2021, and then he shows up out of the blue next year, and the Packers at that point have their hands tied and they have to move on from it. That could happen. I think they would
0: want to almost under any circumstances end the drama before then. It's it's very hard to have a most valuable player sort of Damocles hanging over your franchise for in that in that uh, under that scenario, 15, 14 months, and so I think it whatever happens, it happens before that moment happens.
2: But, you know, you mentioned the sword of Damocles, and I've used that reference as it relates to what the Packers have done to Rodgers. And this gets back to why he's upset. And, Peter, during that it's all about the people spiel the other night, he said at one point he threw a wrench into their plans by winning MVP. And that tells me he believed, as of last year, when they traded up in round one, didn't wait for Jordan Love to fall to them and just look around and say, who else are we going to take they made the move up to get him, which has a different vibe to it. Then, you know, it's one thing if Tuatonga tonga had been lingering at 30. No, they jump up to get the guy who's a project. And Rodgers believed, based upon that comment that he made to Kenny Maine, Rodgers believed that their plan was one more year with Aaron, and then we move on. He threw a wrench into that by being the league MVP, and they have been unable to talk him away from that mindset now maybe it's the truth maybe he's right and they're just trying to engage in damage control but as long as he believes that that they were going to move on from him after the 2020 season then why shouldn't they let me move on if you were going to move on from me why shouldn't I be allowed to move on from you and therein lies the rub and I think that may be the core of this it's not about Jordan Love It's about the fact that the Packers hatched a plan that we're going to keep Aaron for one more year and move on until he has an MVP season. And they're like, Well, we can't get rid of him now.
0: I remember on the Sunday of draft weekend in 2020, I was talking to Brian Gutekunst. And I said, what happens if basically Aaron Rodgers pulls a Tom Brady? And over the next three or four years, He's not good, but he's great. And maybe he wins an MVP or a couple of Super Bowls or whatever. Because remember, when the Patriots drafted Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, in the next four seasons, in the fourth season, obviously in the middle of it, the Patriots traded Jimmy Garoppolo to San Francisco for a second round draft choice. But in those four years, Tom Brady won two Super Bowls and an MVP. So... What Brady did, essentially, is he said, I'll show you what happens when you take a quarterback and you try to replace (laughs) me. I'll show you. And it's one of the reasons why I was really kind of, quite honestly, uh, you know, anti-Carson Wentz this year. When it seemed like he said, oh, okay, you take Jalen Hurts? Hey, listen, you have a good time with Jalen Hurts. I'm out of here. And my attitude is going to suck. You know, I mean, that was... That is what I saw in Carson Wentz. Now, maybe that's not entirely the case. That's how I read it. But I think in this particular case, I think there's a lot of truth in what Aaron Rodgers inferred the other night that, you know, he threw a wrench into the Packers' plans. But let me go back to Gutekunst for a second. He said to me that day when I said, what if Aaron Rodgers does this and you have to pull a a Jimmy Garoppolo in in four years or less than four years and trade Jordan Love to somebody. And he said, that'll be great for the Packers because that'll mean that we're getting the best great quarterback play out of Aaron Rodgers. So that's fine. Um, Now, I doubt he deep down really thought that's what was going to happen. But in essence, I think they weren't thinking that we're going to trade Aaron Rodgers in one year. They thought maybe we'd be trading him in two years, but I really sincerely doubt that after one year, especially after Jordan Love not playing at all, that they then would have said, okay, let's trade a really good quarterback who's got three or four years left and put a totally unproven guy. I can tell you, Matt LaFleur would not have been on the side of making that trade.
2: And Peter, that underscores, in my view, the dysfunction that is inherent to the relationship. Because, and this door swings both ways, the Packers, if that's what they were thinking, that we're not going to trade him after one year, we, we, he's still our guy. Good problem to have if Aaron Rodgers ends up playing at a high level for the next three years or, and we never get anything out of Jordan Love and we have to trade him like the Patriots had to trade Jimmy Garoppolo three years later. You got to talk to the guy. You got to tell the guy, you can't have that that firewall between management and labor where you don't explain to the most important employee in the entire corporation, more important than anyone else. The highest paid, most important, most famous person in the entire Green Bay Packers Incorporated because they have no owner. How can you handle him that way? How can you not have the conversation with him? Every step of the way, Alex Smith was on with Colin Coward the other day, and he made it clear that the Chiefs trusted him with the information regarding their top-secret confidential plan to trade up and get Patrick Mahomes. Every step of the way, Alex Smith knew what was going on. How do you not, Peter, if you're the Packers, how do you not make sure that Aaron Rodgers is aware of exactly what you're thinking, why you're thinking it, And what you're planning to do, unless you're just fearful, number one, he's going to run his mouth and blow up your plan, or number two, nothing you say is going to matter. Either way, it's dysfunctional, and it makes me wonder why the Packers just don't want this thing to end the same way Rodgers wants it to end. Look, you know,
0: it it has been said, and so I take it as fact, um, because reliable people have said it. That uh, the Green Bay Packers did not call and inform Aaron Rodgers of what was about to happen uh, when they took Jordan Love, and if that's the case, that's a terrible job by the Green Bay Packers. Terrible, because you know, look, how, whether you warn him, uh, you know, a day in advance or an hour in advance, you know, you know, this is this is far and away the most important guy in your franchise. And, and you know, coach, president, you know, whatever, GM, he's the most important guy in your franchise. And, you know, how would you feel if you're Aaron Rodgers sitting at home, you know, watching the draft, and you look and you're hoping that, hey, are we going to trade up and get Justin Jefferson or or, or whoever? Or are we just going to sit there and take some defensive guy like we always do? <laughs> and, you know, imagine the shock of Aaron Rodgers when he sees that they've taken a quarterback, the guy who obviously is meant to replace him. And if that's indeed what happened, I do not blame him at all. And, and, and knowing Rodgers a little bit, I don't know him well, but knowing Rodgers a little bit, I have always thought he is angrier that they never told him what they were going to do or what the plan was. What the plan might be, even, that he's angrier about that than he is about the fact that they took a quarterback.
2: And Sims and I talked about this yesterday, Peter. I think a lot of it comes down to trust. Did they trust him to be discreet with it or sabotage it by telling a friend who tells a friend who tells a friend who tells a reporter, and then the cat's out of the bag, that the Packers love Jordan Love, and and then the flag is planted. But all you had to do... An
0: hour before the this is done. You didn't have to tell them three days before it was done. An hour before this is done. You you basically carve out five minutes. And you get the coach and the GM who have to leave their their spot for a few minutes. And you carve out five minutes. It's an important thing to do. And you pick up the phone and you call Rogers. That is something that I just think you had to do, and they apparently did not do.
2: And, and I, I can't help but wonder whether they considered it and realized there's a chance they make it worse by telling him so late in the hour that they're doing this because he quite possibly would respond to that by saying, why am I just finding out about this plan right now? Why? What? Wait a minute. You've been thinking. And and there, there's but a, the there's alternative. Narrative.
0: But Go the ahead. alternative, the alternative in not saying anything is a lot worse than than him being ticked off that he doesn't find out about this till an hour before it happens. You know, the alter, not finding out about it at all is obviously something that, you know, is really going to. Uh, get Aaron Rodgers goat, and obviously it did.
2: And, and that's why I'm fascinated by this question of was this just a byproduct of the Ron Wolf mindset that's been baked into the front office? We run the show; you guys just work here. We don't have an obligation to tell you anything, to do anything. Right. You just ha- you just show up and play football. And they didn't even think about telling him. Is that the explanation, or is it there was some deliberate? discussion strategy they did think about it they did talk about it at the end of the day they said let's just not let's not open that can of worms right now because that can of worms is going to open anyway let's just go ahead and do what we have to do this first round of draft because it is true th- th- this this bubbled up yesterday and and I talked to somebody about it and it is absolutely true they had targeted Justin Jefferson they wanted Justin Jefferson the Vikings took him then they wanted Brandon Ayuk and the 49ers jumped up to take Brandon Ayuk because the 49ers kept their mouths shut about what they wanted and then the Packers their top two receivers were gone instead of sliding back and maybe taking a Chase Claypool they they decided to take Jordan Love but what makes it worse is the thing that is that, that 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 shows that it wasn't just something that fell into their laps they traded up to get Jordan Love and maybe they traded up just because they felt burned by the two guys they missed out on and they're thinking we should have just traded up if we could have gotten I especially Iuk, because the Patriots traded down at one point there they could have moved into that spot instead of I think it was the Chargers who jumped up but maybe they just jumped up because they didn't want to be 0 for 3 for the guys they wanted but regardless regardless Peter you nailed it they need to call the guy at some point and when you don't you set in motion the dominoes that have brought us to this point And I feel like there's still more dominoes. You know, it's like watching one of those dominoes things. You don't know where the hell it's going. You don't know whether it's going to set off a rocket, whether it's going to drop into a toilet, whatever it's going to do. But we're just watching those dominoes as they keep falling. I'm sure that
0: the Packers, to some degree, would say, hey, listen, we didn't call Jair Alexander and Kevin King this year when we took a corner in the first round. We didn't call... uh, uh, you know, we didn't call our, our talented group of running backs. Any of them, you know, when we took AJ Dillon last year. So, and 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 I think I think they can be comfortable in the fact, is Ron Wolf has elucidated very clearly and pointedly, is that you know Ron Wolf has said on on a couple of occasions now since this is all uh, exploded that basically, hey, listen, you know, the quarterback wants to do everything. You know, he wants to pick the players. He wants to do this. And, you know, he's obviously exaggerating. But that is, you talk about the Ron Wolf attitude. The Ron Wolf attitude is that, look, here's my job. My job is to pick the best players. Here's the coach's job. Coach's job is to coach the players. Here's the player's job. The player's job is to play. Never the three twain shall meet. Well, times are changing in the NFL. And if you can't see that by now... You know, you've already had, uh, and with an asterisk, obviously, Deshaun Watson talking himself out of out of Houston, and regardless of what happens legally, I don't think he ever takes a snap for the Texans again, and and Russell Wilson starting to talk that way, and Tom Brady in a very gentlemanly way, uh, basically leaving New England. Different story, obviously, his contract was up, but you're seeing now. Quarterbacks get more and more power. And so I think this is all a part of that and all a part of, okay, what would you rather do? Would you rather consult with Aaron Rodgers, even though it might make you gnash your teeth a little bit, grind your teeth, because that goes against your ultimate philosophy as a team architect, or would you like to basically say, all right. We're going to keep doing things exactly the way we've always done them and make our most important employee angry to the point that he wants out. I mean, I think it's yeah. a pretty logical and simple answer. You got to compromise and you got to be
2: more in tune and in touch with the people who make your team great. If they truly believe that failing to tell Aaron Rodgers that they were going to draft Jordan Love is the same as not consulting with a position player other than a franchise quarterback and one of the best to ever play the game. That explains why Aaron Rodgers wants out. And it's not about the people generally, because under Aaron Rodgers' monologue from the other night, you would tell Jair Alexander, you would tell Aaron Jones, no, this is about the king of the hill, the king of the north, the guy who stirs the drink for the Packers. They disrespected him and now they are dealing with the same sense of uncertainty that he made them or that they made him deal with all of last year. Let's take a break. When we return, speaking of uncertainty and quarterbacks and power plays, Russell Wilson not at Seattle OTAs. We'll delve into that when this Friday edition of PFD Live continues right after this.
0: Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.
1: Listening to your favorite podcast? That's smart. Earning your degree online from Southern New Hampshire University? That's really smart. With 24-7 access to coursework, no set class times, and dedicated student support,
2: Russell Wilson Seahawks uniform will he be wearing that outfit hopefully not that jersey god i hate that jersey let's go with the steel blue not the not the bright green highlighter jerseys Seahawks please but will he be wearing any type of Seahawks gear this year it looks like he will but you never know he's not at the OTA's now a lot of the Seahawks players are not at the OTA's to the point where Seahawks fans are concerned because the other teams in divisions have in the NFC West division have high attendance Uh, Peter, I I don't know where this all stands. Russell Wilson said his piece to Dan Patrick back in February. His agent said his piece. Specifically, Russell Wilson wants to stay with the Seahawks, but if he were to be traded, he would accept trade to the Bears, Saints, Raiders, and Cowboys. We haven't heard anything more since then. It's died down. Pete Carroll called it old news last week, appearing with Rich Eisen. But I still think it's something to keep an eye on because as of Wednesday, June two. The cap charge for trading Russell Wilson plummets from $39 million to $13 million, And you can't rule out the possibility, in my view, because we've seen these crazy trades come out of nowhere before, where everyone's kept their mouths shut until it happens. I can't rule out the possibility that someone is waiting and lurking and ready to make the Seahawks an offer they won't refuse for Russell Wilson come June 2. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I would bet against it but I can't say it's an impossibility.
0: Mike, there's two teams out there that interest me right now about their future quarterback plans for a couple of reasons. And I'll tell you my two teams. One is the Carolina Panthers. David Tepper being the wild card owner, he's made it very clear. Tepper reminds me of what uh, Stephen Ross was like over the last five, six, seven years. And that is we are going to move heaven and earth and do whatever it takes to get our quarterback of the future. You know, they thought they might have had him with Ryan Tannehill. They didn't. And so then they moved heaven and earth. They took to Tonga after failing to be able to trade up to get Joe Burrow. So, So you know how aggressive an owner can be inside an organization to push, push, push. Now you go to the Carolina Panthers. David Tepper... Has proven that he's exactly that same way. You overpay for Teddy Bridgewater one year, and then the next year we're getting rid of Teddy Bridgewater. We'll take the cap consequences of it, and then after that, you sign Sam Darn or you trade for Sam Darnold, and you you, you kind of trade for him, but in a very tepid way. He's your guy. You don't guarantee that he's your guy by trading a two, a four, and a six for him. But I do think that that is one team that if a quarterback opens up in the middle of this year, the Carolina Panthers would be very aggressive to try to go get them. The other team is the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't see the Eagles doing something before giving Jalen Hurts a shot this year, especially because the Eagles are what I would call in a classic kind of rebuilding, retooling year. And they sit there with three, probably three number ones next year. And I've always viewed this as the Philadelphia Eagles are going to see how Jalen Hurts does. And if he pulls a Dak Prescott and shocks the world as Prescott did in 2016, uh, not even allowing Tony Romo the ability to get his job back when he was healthy. If Jalen Hurts plays at a very high level, throws for 4,300 yards, the Eagles win 11 games, he's going to be their quarterback next year. But most of us feel that that probably isn't going to happen. Now, both of those teams, I think are going to be very active in the quarterback market starting next February. But you never know, based on their recent histories and the aggressiveness of their, uh, in one case, an owner. We don't really know Scott Fitterer's uh, ethos yet about how aggressive he'd be. He's the new Carolina GM. But we know about Howie Roseman, and he never met a trade he didn't like. So those are the two teams I would watch out for. But I agree with you. Russell Wilson, I think, is the, the far bigger likelihood that he quarterbacks the Seattle Seahawks this year. And then after the year, we see where they are.
2: And and if the Seahawks have resigned themselves to the reality that at some point Russell Wilson is going to have the next phase of his career with a new team, and that he's not going to sign another contract, they're not going to want to sign him to another contract because he's going to want 50 million a year, and they don't view him as that kind of guy that's always going to be top of the market, top of the market, top of the market. The door is open for someone, I believe, to get their attention now if they can trade back a quarterback that helps the Seahawks get through this year and maybe another year. That's the key, Peter. And look, we don't know whether or not Russell Wilson would welcome a trade to the Panthers or the Eagles. He's got that no-trade clause. I think that his agent, Mark Rogers, was holding some teams in his back pocket when he identified four. But the Raiders are still out there. And I know they're saying all the right things about Derek Carr. But if you're John Gruden, how do you not at least ponder the possibilities – some morning when you're in your office at 350, five minutes after you get there, you made your cup of coffee. You're thinking about Derek Carr. You're thinking about Russell Wilson. What if you throw a package together with Derek Carr plus whatever else it would take? I, I just I just can't say it's impossible at this point because the, the window's there. It's cracked slightly still. And if I'm John Gruden, I'm thinking this may be my only chance to get this guy because next year there's going to be others who are hovering. Maybe this is the time we do the the, the big thing, the big move, the dramatic thing that takes this franchise to a new level.
0: I mean, maybe. I, I just think at this point there's so many other fish to fry in that organization. Um, there's so many other things that... You really need a lot more than quarterback. And I understand, I, I've always said this, that John Gruden's favorite quarterback is the one he doesn't have. And, you know, so I get the fact that he might look at Russell Wilson and say, oh, my God, imagine how great we would be if we had him. I I just, I don't see them moving heaven and earth to get Russell Wilson. Now, who knows? Probably, the, you know, they'll trade for him next week. I, I think the much more likely candidates... At some point, uh, would be number one, uh, Carolina. And again, look, maybe, and number two, Philly. But maybe, maybe, underline this, that, you know, if John Schneider does decide to move him, he's going to move him to an AFC team because he doesn't want to face him every year or, or, you know, more often, clearly. But, you know, we'll see. I, I just think it's, at, at this point, I think it's highly unlikely he moves this year.
2: And plenty of people are still saying watch Miami as a Deshaun Watson destination. If they would be in play for Deshaun Watson, why would they not at least kick the tires on Russell Wilson? Again, we don't know that he'd want to go to Miami, but if he did, you could make the argument that Russell Wilson would be the better fit, the better long-term quarterback for the Dolphins than Deshaun Watson would be. And 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 it, I, I, it's just we can't shut doors and say that's never going to happen that's never going to happen the NFL is too crazy for us to foreclose those possibilities and we've seen these things occur and I mentioned to Sean Watson he got the whole quarterback wants out of town ball rolling right after the regular season ended now the Texans after so many changes they have fallen so far that people are actually ripping up their roster on camera we'll show you that next when PFT Live continues right after this.
1: I just wanted to clarify what you said about um, the participation and having everyone on Zoom. Do you mean that everyone on the roster has been taking part in the Zoom meeting since OTAs have started? Yes, everybody's been on the Zoom meeting. Including Deshaun Watson? Uh, I, I have nothing to say about Deshaun at this point.
2: Poor David Culley. <laughs> I
0: know. Poor, he poor gets David his chance. Culley. He's 65 years old and he gets his chance and now this is what he steps into. An expansion team with your best player on strike.
2: Who you shall not talk about, especially after he did the podcast where he made the mistake of making it clear they were willing to trade him and then since then I think there's there's some device in play here where anytime he mentions Deshaun Watson, there's a button that Nick Casario presses to make sure David Cully recites the line. (laughs) I am not talking about Deshaun Watson, Uh, but it's just, it's just, uh, this team is favored to lose every game. If you go week by week and you look at the betting lines, there isn't a single game they're favored to win. Their points bet odds for the full season win total is four and a half. I think that's charitable and I would bet the under it just feels like this team is listless. The bar couldn't be any lower, which is actually good for David Culley and for the players because everyone expects them to stink, Peter. But I I, I just, yeah, I, I feel bad for David Culley because he's not going to say no to an opportunity to coach an NFL team. That begs the question, is this even an NFL team at this point? Look,
0: you know, this is – this. It sort of reminds me of kind of a tech startup, Mike. It it really does. You know, obviously they are starting over. The problem with starting over when you're the Houston Texans is that they don't have the advantages that they had even when they were an expansion team uh, two decades ago. And because when they were an expansion team, they got they got you know they were able to pick other players from teams, all that. And now they basically, their advantage is not having a draft pick, you know, until the second round and, you know, or late whenever they had it in the 60s. And that to me is the major reason why they are at such a huge disadvantage right now. They have none of the edges that even an expansion team would have. So... If four and a half is that number, I mean, who knows what's going to happen? That's that's surprisingly high, in in my opinion.
2: And and this is the kind of organization right now that, from a PR standpoint, should be bending over backwards to ingratiate itself to the folks who cover the team. You want those folks on your side. You want them to be rooting for this ragtag bunch of misfits who are being slapped together. But when you hire someone from the do-your-job, patriot way, shut-your-mouth Bill Belichick camp and Nick Casario, that's not how it goes because he is wired, whether he realizes it or not, to provide as little information as possible to the enemy of the people, the media. So here's the great John McClain reacting yesterday to the fact that the media got to go to an OTA but they weren't given the information necessary to understand who in the hell was out there on the field getting ready for football season. Let's hear directly from John McClain.
0: Let me tell you, it was so invigorating to watch a bunch of defensive players that we couldn't tell who's who. And the reason was... They gave us rosters with no numbers. In my 45 years of covering the NFL in Houston, I've never been given a roster with no numbers. Why would they do that? Did they leave them out accidentally? No, they don't want us to know who the players are. There's 49 new players on this roster, so it'd be nice to have some numbers with the names and be able to see them. But they didn't do it. They didn't do it. I've just never seen anything like this. So, and I don't know why it's not going to do me any good to have it. So. That's what I think about this
2: roster. <laughs> and that's what you get. That's what you get. When look, you never start a fight with the guy who buys his ink by the truckload. That's what you get when you piss off John McLean, one of the most respected beat writers in the country. And it's stupid. It's gratuitous. There's no strategic reason for it. What are what are the reporters going to glean from an OTA session, Peter? where they're able to match up name and number. What 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 secrets of the realm are going to be shared with the Texans enemies? That's the least of their worries. You could list the problems and concerns they have one to a thousand coming in at 999 is the local media being able to connect the dots between player and number at an OTA session in late May. It's one thing for Bill Belichick to slap
0: the number 50 on Mac Jones, which he <laughs> did this week at practice. Because Bill Belichick has won six Super Bowls. He could put the number infinity on Mac Jones. He could put pie on Mac Jones. It, 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 Literally. It doesn't, it doesn't matter because he has won the right to do silly things as much as he wants to do. Okay? But the Houston Texans, and what they're trying to do is they're saying, okay, here's our 49 new players. Hey, look, there's Mark Ingram over there. He's wearing number, whatever he's wearing, 28. You know, and here's this guy. Here's Davis Mills. He's wearing number 11 or whatever. Let's take a look at Davis Mills. Hey, listen, Davis Mills is probably the quarterback of the near term for this team. You know, maybe Tyrod Taylor this year. But let's look at Davis Mills, see how he looks, see how he's throwing the ball. I just think it is one of the silliest things for an organization to do, it's meaningless. It's it's thumb your nose at the media that covers the team. That's what it is. And I have absolutely no idea why the Texans would be doing that right now
2: publicly to their team. Thomas Dimitrov is the only person from the Belichick tree who has been able to step away from that that mindset that gets ingrained in you by osmosis that this is the right way to do things, that this is the right way to handle the media, give them as little information as possible because everyone is the enemy, including the media. And it's going to make it harder for Nick Casario to thrive in Houston. And it's just amazing to me that of all those guys, smart guys, competent guys, coaches and executives who have gone elsewhere, they still can't. They're so warped. When they come out of that patriot enclave that they can't figure out that that's not the way when you're not the guy that already has six Super Bowl championships and you got to build equity with the media that covers your team. Let's take a break. When we return, Peter King from Monday's Football Morning in America, his power rankings, the snapshot of where all the teams are as of right now. We'll break those down next here on PFT Live.